Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today's Tuesday. It is October 10th, 2017, and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we are reading from the big book in Chapter 11, A Vision for You, and we're going to begin reading on page 156, Paragraph 3, beginning with, Life Was Not Easy. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Ingrid F., for the 12 traditions, Bonnie T. Our readers for the text today will be Stephanie L., John K., and Elaine T. I have two five-digit share ID numbers for you. Monday, October 9th, the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is... 10,529, that's 10529. And this morning, Tuesday, October 10th, our 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 10,531. That's 10531. Our OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ingrid F. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, my name is Ingrid F. and I'm a compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it.
11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics, other food addicts, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Ingrid. I will now ask Bonnie T. to please read the 12 Traditions of OA. May I be heard? Yes. Thank you. This is Bonnie T. in Chicago and the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Then, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me do service. Have a great day, everyone. And thank you, Bonnie T. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book on page 156. Paragraph 3, beginning with, life was not easy. 
And so now I will ask, please, Stephanie L. to begin reading for us. Good morning, everyone. This is Stephanie L., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Southern California. But life was not easy for the two friends. Plenty of difficulties presented themselves. Both saw that they must keep spiritually active. One day, they called up the head nurse of a local hospital. They explained their need and inquired if she had a first-class alcoholic prospect. She replied, yes, we've got a corker. He's just beaten up a couple of nurses. Goes off his head completely when he's drinking. But he's a grand chap when he's sober, though he's been in here eight times in the last six months. Understand, he was once a well-known lawyer in town, but just now we've got him strapped down tight. And this refers to Bill's and Dr. Bob's first visit to AA number three. Here was a prospect, all right, but by the description, none too promising. The use of spiritual principles in such cases was not so well understood as it is now. But one of the friends said, put him in a private room, we'll be down. Two days later, a future fellow of Alcoholics Anonymous stared glassily at the strangers beside his bed. Who are you fellows and why this private room? I was always in a ward before. Said one of the visitors, we're giving you a treatment for alcoholism. Hopelessness was written large on the man's face as he replied, oh, but that's no use. Nothing would fix me. I'm a goner. The last three times I got drunk on the way home from here. I'm afraid to go out the door. I can't understand it. And in these paragraphs, um, we read about Dr. Bob and Bill W., um, you know, sharing the message with, I believe his name was Bill D., and he was alcoholic number three. And, um, you know, what strikes me, other than the history of, you know, how this fellowship, you know, started moving, it's really, you know, the beginning of, in the first paragraph where it said, you know, but life was not easy for the two friends. And, you know, I remember the first time that I um, got abstinent, I thought that life was going to be rainbows and unicorns and perfect, and I was never going to be upset again. And, you know, that's just not the case. Uh, the promises don't tell us that we're going to live a perfect life. Life, you know, is going to have its ups and downs. And, you know, the good news is that today I have a program of recovery and steps that I can work on those problems. But then they say both saw that they must keep spiritually active, which means that, you know, I have to hold my hand out to someone else. And, you know, Dr. Bob and Bill W., they knew that. They knew that that was the key to staying sober, was they had to find someone to help. And so, you know, they were, they were you know, trolling for alcoholics, for severe, hardcore alcoholics that they could share the message with, that they could share their experience, strength, and hope and help. Because that's how, you know, this book tells us, um, you know, we grow and enlarge um, our spiritual life. And then that last paragraph where, you know, they're talking to, you know, Bill D and, and, you know, he looked at them and they could see the hopelessness on the man's face. But it's no use. Nothing would fix me. I'm a goner. And I personally relate with that. I was in a three and a half year relapse. And I would show up at meetings and I would listen to this Vision for You phone meeting in the morning and I'd hear you all. And there was a part of me that said maybe and a part of me said, no, there's no use. Nothing's going to fix me. I missed my window opportunity. You know, I too felt like um, I was a goner. And I also had the fear of going out the door. If I go out the door, 
I'm going to head to the grocery store and I'm going to head to the grocery store and I'm going to get binge foods and then I'm going to lose in another day or two or three or a week or a month or whatever, you know. Um, But he listened to them because when we share, when I share this message with another struggling compulsive overeater, you know, I share not only the struggle, but I share the hope, Um, just like someone shared it with me. And um, yeah, so with that, um, I am going to pass and thanks for letting me share. And thank you, Stephanie L. Okay, uh, just a reminder that we're reading six paragraphs, beginning on page 156, paragraph three, going over to 157, ending with the third paragraph. I can't understand it. And who would like to begin? Bonnie T. I'm sorry, Bonnie T. Okay. Yes. Bonnie. Kathleen O. Kathleen O. Yes. Good morning. And anybody else? John K. John K. Okay. Okay, John K. Anybody else? Katrina. Katrina. Oh, I'm sorry, is it Katrina? Yes, H. Oh. Katrina H. Let's go with that group of four. Okay, Bonnie T., you're up. Can I be heard? You can. Thanks, Janice. This is Bonnie T. in Chicago, and uh, I want to thank everyone for being there this morning. What I hear in this reading is um, a couple of things. Um, I am going to celebrate 30 days of abstinence tomorrow, and I'll be uh, traveling, so I won't be able to be on a meeting. But I am just so profoundly grateful to have found a vision um, as a solution Um, I can remember thinking that I couldn't leave the house because I would go down to the local Walgreens and peruse the aisles and come home with my bag of whatever. And that's what I would do all day until it was time to start getting dinner ready. And I just felt that incredible sense of hopelessness. Um, And I just want to share that in these uh, 29 days, and by the grace of God, I'll make it through tomorrow, uh, I am an oxygen-dependent person. And so uh, one of the great gifts I've already been given in this recovery program is my need for oxygen has dramatically decreased in these 29 days. So I can't even begin to speak to that except that that is by the grace of God. And um, so that's about what I have to share this morning. Again, I just want to thank everyone for being there, and I'm just so grateful for this meeting. And with that, I pass. Thanks much. And thank you, Bonnie, for sharing. Okay, Kathleen O, it's your turn. Good morning. Thank you. This is Kathleen O, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Northern California. And I love these um, this part of the story. Um, so here's a man in the hospital that, um, you know, could not stay sober and had tried and tried and tried and couldn't stay sober and felt like he was a goner. And that's how I felt when I came into 12-step recovery. I felt like I was a goner. It's like I couldn't do it. I spent decades trying, and I, you know, I could not keep the food down. And so it was great to come in and read the doctor's opinion and realize that my problem was I had an allergy to the body and obsession of the mind. And so, you know, they, um, this this guy was taught the steps. He was taken through the steps, and he never drank again. And you know, the solution is in these steps. And I love the, the part, but life was not easy for the two friends. Plenty of difficulties presented themselves. And, you know, I I had a um, great aunt that I was helping 
during her final days of life. She was she was dying of cancer and she was home with hospice. And and I said, you know, you've had a good life, and haven't you? Or no, I said, you've had an easy life, haven't you? And she said, she goes, oh no, honey, it hasn't been easy. <laughs> and she goes, but I've had a good life. And you know, she she was not um, in any kind of 12-step. She was an alcoholic, didn't have any addictions, wasn't any kind of 12-step group. But she always did a lot of service. She, you know, she was always helping people and doing things for people. And she was very loving and very kind. And I think that's what made her life good. And you know, that's what I've learned in this program is um, to come from love and kindness, to do service. And, you know, we hear in, we hear in these rooms or on this line, recover, recover, recover. I think I originally heard that from Harlan. I've, I've heard other people say that. And it's like the answer to a lot of questions, recover, recover, recover. And it's like, well, what does that mean, recover, recover, recover? And to me, you know, recover, entire abstinence, recover, um, you know, do these steps and live them daily, recover do uh, service and pass this on and help empower other people who are still suffering. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Kathleen O. Okay, John K., you're up. Good morning. This is uh, John Karen, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, you know, I always read this and think, oh, this was the, uh, this was the first 12-step call, right? I mean... Uh, that's you know how it all started. And I'll challenge. I'll uh, uh, what do you say here? Um, I'll channel Harlan for a minute and play a AA historian. You know, um, this this guy was AA number three, uh, the man in the bed. If you guys have ever seen the famous picture of Bill and Bob with the man uh, sitting there with the man at the bed, this was uh, Bill Dodson. His name was. Uh, you know, they visited him about. I guess about two weeks after Bob stopped drinking, and, and you know, in a lot of ways, that was the, you know, when Bob stopped drinking, it was the beginning of AA. Um, Bill was a lawyer. Bill was a, an ex-city councilman, you know, he had, and, uh, you know, he sobered up, you know, through these efforts of Bill and Dr. Bob and stayed sober till the end of his life, about 20 years, I think. But ironically, his story wasn't actually even in the big book in the first edition. Bill had to convince him to do it later, you know. Um, uh, these I love the history in AA because it's it, it's I find it fascinating. Uh, you know, if you look at the first few folks in AA, you know, while AA, especially in the beginning, dealt mostly with low bottom drunks, some of these founders had previously been people who held reasonably high stations. You know, uh, you know Bill W. You know, he's the person who actually single-handedly invented you know stock market research. Uh, Bob Smith, a doctor. Bill Dotson, a lawyer. There were other people who were involved in the making of the big book, you know, who, who donated, you know, printing services and other things. Um, these are all college-educated men. And I always wondered if something like AA had been tried in the past somewhere else or with other people, you know, maybe somewhere rural where the word couldn't get out or by people who didn't have the wherewithal these guys had. And as a result, you know, nothing happened. And the reason I think about that is I always say I think God played chess in the formation of AA. I mean, you take a guy getting therapy in Switzerland, you have him come back to New York. Uh, he meets a friend and, and helps, uh, they, he stops that friend from drinking. They go up to Vermont. You know, this guy's other father is a judge who sentences a third guy, neither of whom they know, 
Uh, and the judge lets him go into the hands of these two guys. I mean, could you imagine that kind of thing happening today? I mean, and so then this, this third guy gets sober. He, he comes to New York. He, he meets up with a childhood friend from Vermont who happens to be living in New York. Then this guy in New York gets sober, ends up in Akron, Ohio, you know, a western city, which, by the way, cracks us up on the West Coast. Um, uh, the guy from New York ends up helping a doctor in Akron, and they begin to help others. Now, you know, neither of these guys have background in psychology or spirituality or how to work with people suffering from addiction, and yet they manage to, you know, with the help of other people with no background, modify a Christian program to make it work for people who would probably rebel had those changes not been made. So, you know, coincidences? I mean, how many do you have to see in a row before you at least start to consider this program might have come from a power greater than just these two untrained guys, you know? And it just always, it blows my mind when I think about these early days. And I always say that the 12 steps are God's gift of the 20th century. And, uh, you know, the greatest thing, and I'll wrap up, the greatest thing is that you don't even have to believe in God to work this program. All you have to do is believe in the, in the program itself. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you, John Kay. Okay, Katrina H., it's your turn. This is Katrina H. in Vermont. Can I be heard? Yes. Hi, everybody. Uh, thank you to everyone who's making this meeting possible today. I really appreciate the fact that you are here. Um, so for me, the the reading starts out with something about, I'm not reading it, so I'm going to paraphrase it, about the need to be of service and how they're looking for people to help. And um, and it's very clear to me, I'm I'm kind of a, I'm really not a newcomer. I've been in OA for probably about, oh gosh, I don't even know how long, maybe 10 years plus. And, um, but I was never able to maintain or get even abstinence until September 17th at the convention. And I am incredibly grateful for that. And so what, what I, what came to me today as I was listening to the reading is how important, not that I didn't know this, but just a reminder about how important it is to do spiritual work is basically what it said. And I remember, uh, many years ago when I was a social worker on ICU and we would have a lot of people come in and be, uh, for detox basically, um, that I would bring friends or ask friends from AA to come in and assist these folks. And I can't say that we had maybe as much luck as this particular story or they, we didn't always have successes, but I felt like I was at least being of service and uh, trying to do something. But the other thing that I really relate to in this reading is the hopelessness that this, uh, that Bill D felt about, you know, I'm a goner, I'm hopeless. I, di I didn't ever use the word goner, but I felt, I used the word, I, I, in my mind, I use the words, it's, it's going to work for other people, it works for my sponsor, it's not going to work for me. I am never going to be able to get there. That's never going to happen for me. I can't do it. You know, even with God's help, I'm not going to be able to do it because I don't know. I didn't have a because, but I just knew that it was hopeless for me. And so I just want to express my gratitude. I've, I just got through, let's see, I just made three weeks of sobriety as of yesterday or Sunday, I guess. And I mean, that's, 
of, of abstinence, I shouldn't say sobriety, and I am so incredibly grateful and still in awe that I'm even, that I can be doing this and that I'm doing the footwork and that it's possible for me. I'm still in awe that it's possible for me. And I just want to say thank you so much for being there. I'm listening even though I'm not speaking all the time. And um, and may God bless you all. And that's it. Thank you. And thank you, Katrina, for being there. Okay, who else would like to speak on this uh, page 156 to 157? Catherine M. Catherine M. Leah S. Leah Leah, yeah. Good morning. Well, Anybody else? All right, let's start with Catherine M. Please go ahead, Catherine. Thank you. Uh, my name is Catherine M., and I'm a compulsive over a recovered compulsive overeater in Seattle. And thanks everyone for the service and the sharing. Uh, the use of spiritual principles in such cases was not so well understood as it is now. And uh, after listening to Vision for You, I've been calling in since about uh, January and realizing, wow, maybe it still really isn't that well understood. And definitely when I got into program, I didn't get it at first. Uh, so I got in in 1987 down in Los Angeles. And uh, the, the thing that kept me coming back was uh, I tried out for the birthday party play. And I got a part in the birthday party play, and I was a theater major at the time. So I thought, hey, this is awesome. And it was, you know, really kind of the only meeting I was getting to every week. But I met some really amazing recovered people. <clears throat> but I still didn't really get how the program worked. And uh, there was one night, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I just graduated college. I really didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I was trying to do 30 meetings in 30 days and, you know, losing a battle with the binge foods as I was driving back and forth to those meetings. And uh, I remember calling someone, excuse me, from a hotel room, just totally desperate and saying, you know, I don't know how to do this. You know, would you be my sponsor? And she said, no, I, I, I can't be your sponsor. She said, but can you get home tonight without eating? And I said, no, and I don't think I can do that. And she said, get down on your knees and ask God to get you home tonight without eating. And I went, oh, that's how it works. I would had really no clue in the year or so that I've been going to meetings that that's what it took that yeah it's right there was no way I was going to get home that night without eating you know if it was if it was me and the food the food was always going to win so I I went in the bathroom I wrote like an hour or so I I don't even know what I wrote I didn't have a place where I could burn it I just I mean I really hit my surrender at that moment and I did get home that night without eating and I got home and I threw away my chocolate fudge pop tarts and kept thinking, Oh, you know, I didn't, I wasn't working. I didn't have a lot of money. It's like, Oh, but what if I throw away bitch foods and I need more. Um, but I threw away the sugar. Um, I, I got a couple days clean. I went to a meeting where I was blessed by hearing a, a truly recovered sponsor. You know, this is back in, you know, 87. Um, but, but someone who was really studying the big book this way. And, uh, and it was amazing. And, you know, and I didn't keep it, you know, the thing about, uh, you know, staying spiritually active. I, I relapsed after about a year, um, but then had one of those really amazing spiritual experiences where God just struck me with his love, where I got this amazing abstinence. And that was May 12, 1990. I keep coming back. I keep doing service. And I'm just really grateful for finding this vision meeting because it, it, it's really helping me 
reconnect with some of those principles. Thanks. And I pass. And thank you so much, Catherine M. Okay. You're up, Leireth. Thank you so much. This is Leah S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York. And I'm so happy to be able to share today. Um, So we're talking about spreading the program and spreading the word. Actually, one of the very first things that I tell my sponsees are there are three basics to this program. The very first one is I don't care if you binge. I don't care if you eat forbidden foods, but please be honest with me so that we can develop a trust. Because if I can't trust um, you, a human being, how can I trust anything that we're doing? That's one of the basic things. The second thing is I need you to be abstinent. And the third thing is you need to make phone calls. You need to make phone calls each day three phone calls, outreach phone calls. And these are really basic things that still apply to me as a recovered compulsive overeater today. I do these tools because they are spirituality. When I speak to someone who is coming from the depths of the lowest low, then that I remember exactly where I'm coming from and how did I get out of there? And there's only, you know, there's this parable, this small parable, um, you know, someone's drowning in the, the pool and, and, and they're saying, please come and save me, save me. And, 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 and the other person saying, oh, just put your hand right here, right here. And, and, and that person is in the pool and going down again. And, 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 and the other person screaming from the outside, come on, why did I, here's the pole, just grab onto the, and then there's this other guy who just jumps right into the water with them and says, you know what, my dear, this is the way to do it. And that's exactly how I see this program. When I speak to another person and this other person is drowning in the food and trying to get out, there's no other solution. There's this just remembering of how there is none because if you don't try it, you don't know what you're going to experience. And thank you for letting me share. I pass. And thank you, Leah S. Okay, who else would like to begin to chair on these these six paragraphs? Sylvia. Sylvia. Sylvia S. Sylvia S. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. Anybody else? Very quickly. Kathy Joe. Well, I heard Kathy Joe. Karen R. Sherry K. B. Sherry K. B. Good. Sherry K. B. And something R. I think. Mm. Uh, Karen R. North Carolina. Something North Carolina. Hold on. Somebody from North Carolina. What's your name? Karen R. Karen R. And let's have one more. Sandy T. from California. I heard, I heard T. from California. I didn't get that first name. Sandy. Sandy? Yes. Okay. If you could speak up when it's your turn, I'd appreciate it. All right. Good. So, Sylvia F., it's your turn. This is Sylvia F., Recovered Compulsive Operator in California. 
And, you know, I, the line, but life was, uh, let me turn on my timer. But life was not easy for the two friends. Plenty of difficulties presented themselves. Both saw that they must pe- keep spiritually active. And um, so the thing that's important there for me is it doesn't say that these two friends said that they were about to drink or about to eat. They said life was not easy. Plenty of difficulties presented themselves. And that's where the vigilance has to be for me. You know, I am abstinent. I am recovered. And I'm not in right today danger of um, picking up extra food or picking up binge foods. But, you know, I feel unsettled. I feel very unsettled. You know, that restless, uh, uh, I can't, don't have it, and discontent. Uh, and so that's where my danger is. And I'm, look, I'm you know, looking out at uh, a lot of smoke in the air. We can't go outside. And um, we're having some controversy uh, in, in a meeting that is very uncomfortable for me. And those are my dangers. That, you know, plenty of difficulties. It's not the food in the room that's the difficulty. It's life is the difficulty. And it, I must be keep spiritually active. And, but on the other hand, I can't give what I don't have. So it's not like for me that I can just pick up the phone and reach out and be, you know, of, of, of spiritual use to someone else. What it means for me is that I have to, you know, I have to settle in and do some spiritual work and reconnect with God. Sometimes, you know, yeah, I could show up and, and you know, voila, it works. But, you know, when, I, when I'm feeling like this, it means that I have to do some work to, fig, you know, to, to let go of those things that um, whether it's fears or um, challenges or the world isn't going the way I want or whatever. Because that is my danger. My danger, you know, I love that I learned when I came in that food wasn't the problem, it was the solution. And so what is my solution going to be? And the solution is, you know, working the steps and letting go of all this stuff I want to hang on to. Or it's not even I want to. It's just my habit. That's, that's how I, the habit of how I thought. And that there's a different way. And the, the thing that I can remember, I don't have amnesia anymore, is I remember what it feels like to be spiritually fit and that it's within my reach. I just have to do the work and then I can reach out to others. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Sylvia. Okay, Kathy Jo P., it's your turn. Kathy Jo? Hello, this is Kathy Jo P., a recovered compulsive overeater in Minneapolis. And I was a goner. I weighed over 300 pounds. I was giving up. I did not think I could ever feel at peace with food or in my body. I pretended like I didn't care. Even though seatbelts didn't fit me on airplanes, I could not ride in a roller coaster with my son. I was argumentative and having conflicts in relationships all the time. 
I, my blood pressure was out of control. My plantar fasciitis was out of control. My pants were ripping out at the crotch. Um, and then I came in, thank God, which was an intervention, and I got off of sugar, but for me that did not get include getting off of alcohol. And I did have some reprieve, and I did lose over 60 pounds. But I continued to struggle, and I continued to step on the toes of my fellows and have conflict. My blood pressure normalized. My plantar fasciitis was gone. In the middle of this journey, I did a fifth step right before I came into Vision for You, maybe like six months before. And I ground my teeth so bad that I lost a tooth during that time. And I had headaches continually for three weeks. Now I see it that I did not have the spiritual connection of this program. And no, I had not put down all my alcoholic foods. I was still drinking alcohol, like I said, and stevia I was injecting into my veins like a heroin addict. And when I think about a goner, I think about I was the one that, you know, like I said, I weighed 303 pounds and I never hid. I would eat a whole basket with of bread with butter on it right in front of you and dare you to notice, dare you to notice I had an issue. I had people around me that would tell me, oh, you have such a pretty smile. You have such pretty eyes. Whatever it is, I had the whole world fooled, including including myself. I was like the emperor with no clothes on, walking around, marching around, stomping around unhappily. And thank God I got visitors. And how I see it at my hospital bed, it was in my living room. You guys were in my living room. I never get up at 6 a.m. I got up at 6 a.m. And you were by my bedside. You were helping me in the dark. And I listened and tears rolled down my face. And I heard your hope. I heard your story. And just I opened up a little window. And I tried to believe. And yes, it's coming true. And the sunlight of the spirit is coming into my life. And every day, more and more and more, and I'm helping others, and I feel so grateful. And just any way that I can help any of you, please reach out. I'm here for you. It can happen for you, too, and I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you, Kathy JLT. <clears throat> Pardon me. Sherry, KB, you're up. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Every Reader. Thanks for your service, Janice, and everybody on the line, and welcome all newcomers. And um, I'll just start with here that life was not easy for the two friends and how important it is to, that they must keep in spiritual, spiritually active. And so to me, that means that I have to stay living in 10, 11, and 12, and that I must help others, and 12 is helping others. Um, and going through difficult things. Um, yes, um, we're we're inundated with smoke here too, and um, it hasn't been easy. Yesterday was really hard, and yet, you know, I stayed calm and I matched calamity with serenity. So I know how much this program works, and I just stayed close to God and I asked God to help me to be useful yesterday um, and to be of service. Um, and so. Here they're talking about, you know, notice they're using the word prospect, and I've heard that before. So prospect for us today is like a sponsee. Um, and so they're using this twice. And so also they're talking about the use of spiritual principles. Such cases was not so well understood. 
as it is now. And to me, I believe back then the Oxford group, which they, before you know, we actually got the 12 steps, they were using the Oxford group, and I think there was only like six, um, six um, kind of steps in a way. And Bill changed a lot of it because of different reasons, but that's where we, we started out with and then got our 12. And here it says later on, two days later, <clears throat> a future fellow of Alcoholics Anonymous stared glassingly at the strangers. Um, and um, the two days to me is like when I'm working with a prospect slash sponsee, um, I ask them to please put the food down for 48 hours before we start doing this work. And because I know that they can't, they're in a fog and they can't hear this if they're not, you know, abstinent. And so that's where I get my two days from. That's where I get my 48 hours from. Um, and then this this one sentence by itself, um, sentence number two, no, excuse me, paragraph number two in 157, it says we're giving you a treatment for alcoholism. And so that's what they were doing. And you know, back then it was very expensive to italicize. So that we have things that are italicized, and I think that another way of them showing importance is having a sentence in a paragraph just by itself. So it's saying we're giving you a treatment for alcoholism. So we're we're giving you, you know, we're giving you how to how to you know get sober, how to get abstinent. And so the treatment is the 12 steps. That's what it, this really is about. And um, and even though he was hopeless, you know, they were still standing with him and believing that, you know, he could get he, he could get sober. And so I stand with people and believe that they are going to get abstinent, and I'm here to help as much as I can as well through my higher power's help, of course. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Sherry KB. Okay, Karen R. Your turn. Hello, this is Karen R., a recovered um Compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic in North Carolina. Oh, it's been such a good meeting. I really just just love listening to everybody, and I identify a lot. Um, the things that that kept coming up for me was um, being spiritually active, and how how I have to keep doing the things I've been doing. Um, I have to keep working in this program to keep what I have, and I have to give it away. I have to give it away to keep it. I have to be that channel of of God for another person. Um, for a long time, I thought, like, I don't know, I thought I was being spiritually active, you know, in the things that I was doing, like, um, but I have to work with another compulsive overeater. I have to... I have to do that work because because I have to give it away to keep it to another compulsive overeater. It's like I can't just help my family. And I'm a busy mom, you know. And I know that's God's work too, to be useful to everybody. But there's a magic that happens when I, when I give it away to um, another compulsive overeater. Um, it's almost like I become this channel. I become a channel. And when I do that, it, it heals me. And I feel I feel something different than when I'm walking around helping and being useful to my, my family. Um, it's, it's a special gift that we have. We're unique in that way. And um, I have to remember that because I can isolate. 
there's a lot to do in my family as a busy mom, you know, a special needs mom. There's so much to do. I can totally isolate in that and and not reach out. Um, the other thing is when it says the use of spiritual principles in such cases are not so well understood as it is now. I know we've moved. We've moved ahead, you know, like from back when this book was written. But I still think <laughs> it's not really that understood, you know, especially especially when you're surrounded with people that are actively indulging, you know, in their disease, they're overeating, they're drinking, and, you know, they don't, they don't want to look at it, you know, and sometimes my family or my friends, they'll look at me like I'm crazy, like, really, you get on that phone every morning, you know, <laughs> they look at me like I'm losing it, so I have to I have to remember that it's okay, you know, not everybody has to understand as long as I'm being useful and I'm sharing my story and um, there's a buzzer. So um, thank you for letting me share and it was good to be here this morning. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Uh, Okay, Sandy T, it's your turn. Hello, this is Sandy T. from California. Can you hear me? I can, Sandy. All right. Um, the two words that stuck out for me were hopeless and spiritually active. And I wanted to talk about what that means in my life. And I've been recovered for six months now after a short uh, relapse. But my sponsor took me through and said, no, we're going to start from the very beginning until you get this into your heart. So I understand what spiritually active means now and that it's working the steps and it's reaching out. And so yesterday was a perfectly wonderful day. And I think what made it wonderful was getting up, listening to you guys, putting my number on the telephone list, saying, hey, anybody that wants to do a 10th step, please call me got some wonderful calls from some wonderful ladies. And um, I'm beginning to realize that um, that odd thing happens, that when you reach out asking other people to help you, you're actually helping them. And I think that's that channel, that spiritual channel that opens up between us. And that's what takes away hopelessness. Thank you all for being there and everything that you do, and I'll just keep on talking. Thank you. I pass. Hello? I'm sorry. I guess you could Janice. I'm here, <laughs> especially if I get unmuted. I'm, I apologize. We got about four minutes. Two minutes for two people, or three minutes for Charles one H. Person. Charles H. Anybody else? Two minutes. Let's do Charles H. To wrap it up. Thank you. Charles, yeah, I'll, I'll leave two minutes on the clock. It ain't about. It ain't that serious. Charles H. A recovered compulsive overeater. <laughs> Thank you, Janice, and for your service. Um, you, you know, I, I hear about all this. Checking in, we 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 check in at hotels. We don't check in with sponsees and sponsors. Uh, 
we 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 we're, get, we're given and we're getting the treatment for alcoholism on a daily basis. Thank you, God. Right, this is life and death. Like this guy, Bill D. Um, eight times in six months, um, I could so identify with those numbers, right? And thinking I was so hopeless, and that was the greatest opening that that my higher power needed. Um, I needed to have a hole, a God-sized hole um, for me. And um, this part of the vision, this chapter, chapter 11, bankruptcy, um, is where um, H&I commitments were, were started, hospital and institutions. This is where, you know, um, speakers come in and, and, and talk to people. Uh, uh, but this was this is a specific situation where they said, put him in a, in a private room, we'll be down. Right, because he, he seemed hopeless. <laughs> the more hopeless you are, the, ho- the more hopeless I am, the better I am. I don't check in with people. They weren't checking in with Bill D. They was giving him a treatment for alcoholism. And we, you, for application, you could read Alcoholics Number 3. Because they were saying stuff like, well, you know, here it is. And, and if, you really, if you're really not interested, we'll be seeing you. But he was interested. Uh, he was hopeless. I don't know if he was willing. He was desperate. And I need that desperation every single day. And, um, you know, we don't sell it to people. We're not salesperson. We don't zap people. We, they're helping me more than I could help, ever help them. So giving me, give me this treatment, God. Give me this treatment. Vision is a great meeting, but all it is is a tool. There's people on this line that's hearing this great news and getting zinged up and then binging and binging to death. So we don't have to do that today. With that, I pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Charles. Okay, I'll just wrap it up by saying, you know, that word hopelessness. It seemed hopeless. I don't know about you, but it certainly seemed hopeless for me because I tried everything, but the seeming is in my mind. That's all it is. Oh, I'm going to give up. It's despair. It's desperation. But you see, it also applies to the sponsors that are people that have given this free gift. Oh, I'm going to be here every day to take this and get recovered. And then what happens? They stop. They stop. They got what they needed, and they stop the process. And they think that they're hopeless because, oh, they can't sponsor. They don't know how to do it. And I think we don't have an option here. There's no option. And uh, I'm going to pass with that. And I want to thank everyone, everyone who shared. And uh, so now, if you would please, um, we will now close with the reading from the big book, on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. John Kay, will you please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. I certainly will. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.